Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Thanks so much for joining us again. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. And we're very excited because today is the first day of our annual Nintendo Month. That's right. It is November. We're so excited. (laughs) We love Nintendo Month. In case you guys are new to the show, what we do is we sort of have an annual month where we take a look at our favorite video game music creating legend. I mean, Nintendo is one of the most important companies in the history of video games, and I think it's fair to say that they're arguably uh, of the highest caliber when it comes to creating memorable classic video game music. So these months are, these episodes are always very nostalgic, very dear to our heart, and just a blast. So we're really excited excited to get into some it. of our favorite episodes personally some of just in general some of the most biggest behemoth uh, topics that we cover in this month now you know we've done so many great topics so far for nintendo month in the past so this one is today is gba we're going to be playing the great kind of a greatest hits of some of the best game boy advance music we could find so we're really excited because for me personally i don't know about will but this is actually going to be one of the most nostalgic episodes we've ever done because i remember I remember the day I got my Game Boy Advance for Christmas when I was, I think, like 12 years old. That Mm -hmm. was just such a huge moment. And I played so much Game Boy Advance. So this is just absolutely classic to me. I'm so excited, uh, guys, to play some of the best GBA music ever. So I think uh, before we get into it, you guys heard playing in with, that was from Mario and Luigi, Superstar Saga, starting things off with Yoko Shimomura. That was the battle theme. And before we play our next track here, let's talk a little bit about some of the boring or maybe fun, interesting specs of the GBA here. So the GBA was interesting because actually, you know, you guys know how Sony was the one that actually made the SNES chip. So the reason why they couldn't use the same chip in the GBA is because at that time uh, they would have had to pay royalties to Sony because at that point they were already rivals. So that's why Nintendo had to actually make their own sound chip and, you know, maybe didn't do as good of a job as Sony did back in the 90s. So there was there was a dual 8-bit DAC, uh, which was what created the stereo sound. Right. Uh, it's, it's also known as direct sound. What's interesting about that is it can be used to playback samples, but it can also be used to process and mix a bunch of different sounds together within the software, so within the cartridges. That's why every game is different as far as the number of samples, the quality, uh, right. and all that stuff which just really d- differs from game to game. So they actually could mix in sound effects and music within the cartridge, which is really well, cool. Well, it's funny. It's not unlike something like the Super Nintendo, where Nintendo yeah. took a completely um, novel and brand new unheard of approach to producing noise synthesis in its video game machines. It's a very unique hardware, and I think it's the thing that... One of the things that makes it so nostalgic, because there's nothing else that quite sounds like a GBA. And for me, what this kind of reminds me of is actually old computer systems where they would technically yeah. only have two stereo channels, but they with cre- right. with clever mixing and software mixing, they could get more in there. That's what we have here. In addition to that, of course, we have the old legacy channels of the original Game Boy. So we have four of those. So just a really cool, quirky combination of sounds here. Well, let's get things started with one of Will's favorite soundtracks on the GBA. This is uh, definitely an that Will really wanted to do. This is F-Zero Maximum Velocity. And what's cool about this soundtrack is we have Masaru Tajima 
Mitsutaro Furukawa, and Naoto Ishida, one of the original F-Zero composers. We're going to play title screen. Let's take a listen, guys. such a great track you guys are listening to title screen from f-zero maximum velocity for the game boy advance you know i'm so excited about this episode we've never had an episode where we can just focus on gba music and context right. is so key for our podcast so every single track is going to have this quirky combination of sounds that the gba had and i think by the end of this episode we're really going to kind of feel nostalgic and be so used and so immersed with the gba sounds i think if you're listening to an episode that has maybe some modern stuff even some gen or SNES, sometimes going to the GBA is not the most pleasing. There's a lot of noise um, right. and kind of compression, but there is something well, nostalgic, too. I think there's something kind of really cool. Um, it's something that probably didn't feel <laughs> that way back then, but I think in hindsight, uh, it's something really special about consoles that had specific sort of chipsets or chip sounds, and even in this case, though, you can use samples. What I mean is that you know, composers and companies didn't really have a choice in what it would sound like. They were forced to kind of embrace this stuff the way they did, and I think it led to more creative in some ways, ingenuity. Though, I know what you're saying, but they did have a choice in the sense of how they can use the samples. There's so much diversity into the quality of, like I said, because of how it's mixed. But I'm more talking like in comparison to something modern where it's like the soundtrack will yeah, sound exactly. the same across all platforms. You know, they were forced to work with this very quirky mix of 8-bit chip sounds and uh, samples. And I really think majority of the composers uh, that we're playing on today's episode did a phenomenally commendable job. I think especially, let's let's talk about that F-Zero track that we just listened to. I think that's incredibly impressive for the GBA. The, that guitar sample sounds better than most things you would ever hear on the Super Nintendo. I think it's really well done. And I think the other thing I like about GBA music is because every sample and every pulse channel has a specific timbre, you do sort of get the effect that there are cohesive bands or ensembles playing oh, yeah. this music in all the tracks in this soundtrack and i think in every most game today that we play, most have of a definitive sound that's unique to just that game which is one of the great things about gba yeah that melody is so strong i actually when i was listening to this it kind of a light kind of went off in my head this is really influential to will's composition i would say this soundtrack particularly this track it just really reminds me a lot 
of the intervals and the chords, kind of the chord movement that Will really likes. So I think this is actually a pretty uh, big, important soundtrack for Will. Well, yeah, so, I think the things that I'm really drawn to about it are the chords, um, when they're established, are very emotional and incredibly tense, but the melody is very lyrical on top of it. And I also, yeah. I think it's a great motif in the way that they kind of develop it into that B section. I'm it's just brilliant. a huge fan of. It's really good. So now, guys, we're going to move on to Castlevania, Circle of the Moon. Obviously, you cannot have a GBA episode without playing a Castlevania track. It was hard to decide which game I was going to go with. I ended up going with this. We're going to play Awake, which I think is just one of the most immediate, catchy, fun tracks of, of any GBA Castlevania soundtrack. This soundtrack was composed by Sitaro Tajima and Hiroshi Mitsuaka. Let's take a listen to Awake. That is such a confident piece of music right there. Ah, one of my favorites from our Castlevania episode in our season one. I remember when this hit, I was just like, oh my gosh, it's so good. And it's kind of fun, you know, in a lot of ways today, not only is it nostalgic for me because I grew up with the GBA, but a lot of this music, guys, we've played before on the podcast, but it's been a Mm -hmm. long time. So it feels like it's almost the greatest hits of our podcast in a way, too. You know, we love GBA, so we played a lot of this music before. This is um, composed by Sitaro Tajima and Hiroshi Mitsuaka. Well, it's funny. feels at home. This makes it a little bit of a continuation of our two-parter Halloween episode, which in a way (laughs) is almost a precursor to Nintendo Month because all the games we played were from Nintendo Systems. But yeah, Yeah. I think it's funny on that Castlevania episode, we kind of talked about how each of those great 8-bit Castlevania games has sort of a theme that's the most memorable about it. I think you would say Bloody Tears for Castlevania 2, Vampire Killer for 1. You have that opening stage theme for 3. And I think this is up there. It's up there. This is a phenomenal theme and it totally feels like Castlevania but it's invigorated with some new life and it's also inspired by a little bit the music that Machiro Yamani did for Symphony of the Night. What I think is interesting Obviously, when you listen to GBA, it's reminiscent uh, technically from SNES music, but this is by far better than anything I ever heard on the SNES for Castlevania. I think it's so cool. It feels like I'm going back to the NES era as far as like really solid, strong melodies with cool groove underneath them. The Genesis obviously had cool stuff, you know, and PS1, you know, lots of great stuff, you know, throughout the years, but it really feels like when I'm listening to this, it's going back to an old era of Castlevania in a really exciting way. One thing I want to give a little disclaimer 
disclaimer is that, you know, you guys may be wondering, wait, Nintendo month, but this is a Nintendo game. There are a few games today that aren't Nintendo games, but obviously the topic makes sense, right, guys? And more than we normally would have if this wasn't a Nintendo month, we kind of went out of our way to pick the majority of Nintendo tracks today. Totally. And I, I think it's also important... Nintendo, they're not just game makers, you know, a huge part of their revolution of the game industry and all of the innovation historically throughout um, their sort of existence and prevalence and pop culture. A lot of it has to do with their innovation in their hardware initiatives. I mean, when you look at things like. I mean, the things that they created, you know, essentially the layout of something like the D-pad or like the SNES controller with the shoulder buttons, the analog stick, I mean, the Game Boy, and then you have things like the Wii and Wii U, and even though the Wii U is a yeah, little I bit think, more of sort of proving to be a little bit of a failure, they're constantly, innovation is very important to I them. think right away, I remember hearing a lot of people talking down about the sound quality of the GBA, and, you know, there's definitely something to that, but at the end of the day, and then this is a really large testament to the creativity of the composers to crank so much great sounds out of this very limited hardware. I think it was a success because you were still able to have really interesting and we'll get this later, sophisticated and subtle emotions. It's not just bleeps and bloops here. It's fun to listen to because it's different and it has a distinct character to it, which is great to listen to. And it's something that we can keep our ears out for. It's classic. So, you know, we're talking about, you know, Will said Nintendo aren't just a game maker, but, you know, now let's try to show that side of them. Yeah, they're a a phenomenal game maker. This is The Legend of Zelda, (laughs) The Minish Cap. And this is really cool because this was composed by Mitsuhiko Takano, which I don't think this composer worked in any other Zelda game, to my knowledge. That's because this game, the actual um, design and development of it was handled by a Capcom team, much like how the two Game Boy Color Zelda games were um, so that's what's interesting it was published by Nintendo and that was definitely a success I would say yeah and I think the great testament to this composer is that uh, he was clearly a student of Koji Kondo and looking at the Zelda music as you have to be in my opinion I think some of this fits alongside with some of the great well this Zelda is a music. great track a to play. this is almost a variation of the N64 theme right Will the track we're going to play? Not actually. It's completely its own piece of music. No, it is its own piece of music, but it's there's definitely no subtlety as far as like what influenced it. It feels like well, it's a sequel. Well, I think that's true, but that's that's what I'm saying. I think it's it's it yeah, it's it's trying to be Legend of Zelda music, but there's no motif, instrumentation or anything that's borrowed from any previous Zelda score. It's just that good and it fits in the universe that wholeheartedly. Well, let's take a listen to Hyrule Town from the Minish Cap. Thank you. 
You guys are listening to Hyrule Town from the Minish Cap, composed by Mitsuhiko Takano. And I am of the opinion that this was heavily influenced by one of the early themes from Ocarina of Time. What is that track I'm thinking of, Will? You're thinking of the Kokiri Forest, the yeah, opening Yeah, I, I think, I think it was definitely uh, an inspiration to this track. What yeah, probably. I mean, I think a lot of Koji Kondo's music was uh, such an influence. And that's what I love about sort of the, the more modern post-Ocarina of Time uh, Zelda music because you have other composers than Koji Kondo coming in and trying to match up to that legacy and I think a lot of them do a really commendable job and this is an example where it's just like Every contour in the melody um, is capturing the spirit of Koji Kondo's composition and the spirit of the Zelda universe. You know, this is such a gorgeous melody and a great piece of music in its own right. And it's not really taking a motif or idea from another game and developing upon it. It's really just it's just doing such a good job of capturing the spirit of that composer. What I love about GBA music is is hearing the diversity between how they're using the legacy channels, not just the diversity in the samples. There's great oh, use of samples point, in this yeah. track, but the use of the the chip, the use of the legacy channels in this track is very unique, and it is very different from game to game. There's a lot of games yeah. that don't use it at all, actually. Yeah. And then there's a lot of games that are very heavily reliant on almost to use it for main melodies and to kind of just use the samples for maybe drums or maybe mm-hmm. for like a B section. Uh, so I love that diversity because... It, well, yeah, it's interesting. Here we get it for bass. A, a lot of the Minish Cap soundtrack uses it for bass, which I think is cool. And I, something in that F-Zero example, it used it for that very present arpeggiated color. And Absolutely. You're so right about composers use it in different ways. And another issue that GBA Music had um, as far as how it was mixed in the software with all the, the DAC is that sometimes it's really, really quiet and there's a really high level of noise. Mm-hmm. The advantage of, of using using legacy channels is you can make that really loud and there's never going right. to be noise. So guys, That's a great I think point. now it's time to move on to one of my favorite GBA soundtracks. This is Riviera, the promised land com- uh, composed by one of my favorites, Monaco Adachi, such a talented composer. Let's play a track that we've never played so far on the podcast. Uh, I think two back-to-back tracks. I don't think we've ever played Hyrule town either. So this is another one that should be new to you guys. This is fierce clash from Riviera. Let's take a listen. Love, love, love Monaco Adachi's style. Really feels at home. Uh, she could have been doing great work, you know, in the 80s or 90s. It really feels like classic video game music. But I think it's cool to have this renaissance in the GBA era. I and mean, we're so thankful for composers such as her that really kind of 
connected the dots from generation to generation because there were composers that were really trying to do different things, which I respect. But I also love when they're just doing what has worked in the past and it still works now. And in some ways it mm-hmm. is fresh and exciting because, you know, you're having uh, the samples mixed with the legacy stuff. I just think it's it's very active and busy and fun to listen to. What do you think about this? I think going alongside that is that's sort of what the GBA was to video games in general, because we think about what was going on at this time. You know, now it's really popular to have throwback kind of games, games done in an 8-bit style, or having sort of 2-bit side-scrollers as sort of, there's a renaissance of that now. But when you think about it at the time, you know... You had things like the PlayStation, PlayStation 2, uh, N64, and even into the GameCube. That's sort of the era that we're talking about when a lot of these GBA games came out. So I think it was a great sort of return to form. We got Mm -hmm. returns from a lot of series that maybe we hadn't seen since the 8 or 16-bit era. And I think it was a great opportunity for sometimes the same composers and sometimes new composers to invigorate life into those classic franchises and also for whatever reason and we'll get to this later there were some series that this was the first time people in north america were introduced you know for some reason gba was yeah, kind exactly. of a time when a lot of these japan only series finally came over here so now is that is that true for like fire emblem yep that's what i was i was alluding to i was trying to do it subtly yeah that was fire emblem uh it was kind of a reboot so that was the first time right. anyone in north america would inter- introduce to that so now guys it's time to play a sega track this is sonic advance 2 such a good soundtrack you know really uh i think the sonic advance series musically is some of the best post genesis stuff ever in the sonic series i think it's really well done and i think the reason for that is because we have some genesis people we have um the the composers on this soundtrack is tatsuyuki meida who's a classic genesis sega composer i think he worked on 3d blast we also have Yataka Minobe and Terahiko Nakakawa. We're going to play Leaf Forest Act 1 from Sonic Advance 2 for the GBA. is a great Sonic track, isn't it, folks? That's Leaf Forest Act 1 from Sonic Advance 2, composed by some talented Sega composers. Well, I think what's great, it's also bringing in influences from some of the modern Sonic music. I mean, it has mm-hmm. a distinctly sort of active dance music quality to it, which that type of constant... Um, 
rhythm is ironically not really in Sonic. We think of Sonic no. as a character moving really fast, but the music does generally feel a little bit more grounded. So I think that is, it's interesting, they're bringing that sort of influence from the less quality Sonic music, <laughs> but it's great. You know, these games were a return to the form, so I feel like they were going back to the classic melodic roots that the series is so yeah, I. For. I had a great time with Sonic Advance 2. It's definitely my favorite I- entry in this uh, the three-part Sonic Advance series. Yeah, I love those games growing up, those three Sonic Advance games. What was Sonic your favorite? Games. One, two, or three? Um, I probably played two and three the most, but I honestly felt like parts of one, parts of one reminded me the most of something like Sonic 3, but two is probably the better game. One of my favorite things about two is all... All the bosses, uh, anyone who hasn't played it, were all running-based bosses. Yeah, they were really Which is cool. a really cool idea, something exciting and new for the Sonic series. We, we dabbled at, in that in Sonic and Knuckles, if you remember the first stage boss. It's kind of like that running boss, and I just really like that kind of gameplay, and I also really enjoyed the... The, the boss theme was cool, but at the very end of each boss, when it was down to the wire, when you only had a few hits to go, it, it changed to this other theme, and it just really got me motivated. So anyway, yeah, I guys, remember when you made your first Sonic-esque album, I thought your uh, big bad boss theme mm-hmm. really reminded me of this particular game, Sonic Advance 2. Yeah, I love this game. All right, guys, uh, now it's time to move on to the Pokemon series. So go b- back to the world of Nintendo. Now let's play a track from Pokemon, Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald. Can this I just was... say, I, I think uh, these three, which sort of share a soundtrack, I think this mm-hmm. is the best Pokemon soundtrack. Yeah. I love the GBA Pokemon. So lucky that we get to play it today. Uh, it fits the theme. This was composed by Go Ichinos, Morikazu Aoki, Janichi Masuda, of course, and Hiroko Takano. Yeah, and based on sort of the people that I know and sort of the generation that I grew up with is I these are some of the most beloved Pokemon uh, games that I've really encountered. I know that a yeah. lot of people love the Game Boy Advance Pokemon games, and there's a lot of people who still play them today. Absolutely. Now, we're going to play a, a really cool track we've never played. You know, the, one of the great things about the soundtrack, it's incredibly dense, incredibly long, so many good tracks. We've never been able to play this track, so let's play it today. This is a cool one called Sutopolis City. Here we go. to Sudopolis City from Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire. You know, I love this track. One of the things that just, because um, we just got to it, love that, that the way it modulated, yeah, back into this key was very subtle. Um, a brilliant technique. Yeah, you know, sometimes I notice with these composers, I feel like they kind of do things 
um, a little bit too ambitious. You know, there's some types <laughs> of modulations and chord changes throughout the series which don't always pan out, but I feel like when they work, it adds a level of sophistication that feels sort of distinctly Nintendo. Well, I gotta, I gotta commend the, these composers on the way they are implementing the soundtrack on the GBA. This sounds great. I mean, a lot of really interesting instruments. They're able to obviously mix it within the software. Unfortunately, this is one of the most quiet soundtracks uh, as far as, like, the ratio of noise to actual music. There's a lot of noise on the soundtrack, and the tracks itself are, are pretty dang quiet. Well, you know, it's funny it's that you mentioned music. the noise, because obviously, yeah, the samples sound more compressed and distorted, but in some ways, like, the quality of the actual samples is better than the Super Nintendo. Like, their timbres, mm-hmm. I feel like, are preserved better. Like, you can tell what the instruments are supposed to be, even You're though right. the SNES is much clearer. It's sort of an interesting thing where it's, like, more compressed, but slightly higher quality. Absolutely. Well, now it's time, guys. I'm really excited we get to play a David Wise track. Let's play a track from Donkey Kong Country 3. You guys remember in our interview, he told that cool story where he was trying to convert Evelyn Fisher's score from the SNES to the GBA, had a really hard time doing it. Now, I think other people uh, were maybe a little more successful as far as converting SNES soundtracks. You know, that's kind of up to a debate if people enjoy the Mario Advance conversions or not. I mean, I personally didn't really think those sounded that great like something like Yoshi's Island I thought it was kind of killed it so I understand where David was coming from he decided to compose an entirely new soundtrack specifically for the GBA well I think it was also he didn't have as much time you know a right. lot of those it was projects were run by Nintendo and they probably had more time and they were more planned out where this was sort of a last minute choice so Dave didn't have that much time to make the score so when I think of David Wise one of the most classic things are his bonus stage themes so let's do that let's play a track called bonus time from Donkey Kong Country 3 unmistakably composed by David Wise here we go Gosh, that feels like right at home in the Donkey Kong Country series. So fun to have another bonus stage theme from David Wise. A lot of similar instruments he used in the SNES series. I think it's I think it's really cool to hear um, him come back to this series after a little bit of a rest, but a little bit of a break. You know, this came out in like the, t- the 2000s. So um, mm-hmm. this was obviously before... He had even a longer pause, probably, and then came back with Tropical Freeze. Well, it's funny. It's sort of a disguised soundtrack. I don't think a lot of people are really aware, because most people don't think, oh, a GBA port, that probably isn't even that good. Well, then there were a lot of people that were disappointed as well. That exactly. It wasn't so I think it's knew. sort of a hidden, <laughs> it's a hidden gem. Um, I think it's but great. But I really, I really love it. I think it's really cool. And 
It's funny, Dave really expressed frustration in dealing with the GBA. Yeah. I think he kind of considered it one of the worst systems he worked on as far as the sound, but he's doing <laughs> such a wonderfully commendable job it's with beautiful. all the samples. You great. know, he's able to capture some of the instruments that he got. Really back nice on the drum Super sounds. Nintendo. One of my favorite things yeah. rhythmically is that one part, it's a really interesting rhythm. It's like boom, kaboom, boom. Kaboom, boom, kaboom, yeah. Boom. Really yeah, you're totally right. That's a rhythm I've never heard him explore before, yeah. and it feels great in this context with the sort of Dixieland melody and the clarinets, and yeah, it, yeah it's just it's a blast. Awesome. Well, now, guys, I'm really excited to move on to this. Uh, this is a cool discovery. I think I discovered this sometime in the past year or so. I don't think it's the most uh, well-known game. I think a lot of you, this will be brand new. This is Boktai 2 Solar Boy Django. Uh, you know, just absolute classic. What a right? classic! Uh, this was composed by. It stands uh, the test of time. <laughs> I think it might musically. This is um a bunch of composers here. We have Norihiko Habino, Shuchi Kabori, Masashi Watanabe, and Kazuki Morioka. Now we're gonna play a really interesting uh, track called Dark Valley. Some really kind of cool Western elements in this, and a little bit more subtle and ambient than something you usually hear on the GBA as far as how it, how long it is and it takes its time. So really cool soundtrack. Let's take a listen to Dark Valley from Bakdai 2. is super unique for GBA music. That's Dark Valley from Boktai 2 Solar Boy Django, composed by a bunch of talented composers. I think it's an RPG game, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure how popular it is, but I never have heard of it, and I don't think Will had before either. So, Will, what do you think of this track in the context of today's episode? I think it reminds me a lot of a lot of the Square RPG music uh, from the Super Nintendo. Um, especially, I think that sort of short choral sample reminded me of something from like a Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy five or six or something like sometimes that. Sometimes musically... But it's a wonderful track, a really beautiful melody. I think sometimes uh, musically, especially with the Western influence, it kind of reminds me of something like Wild Arms, the PS1 series. Huh, yeah, I guess I could see that. I just, I, I hear a lot of sort of Yasunori Mitsuda kind of mm. influence. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Yeah, really cool track. Glad, glad we got to play that. A couple lesser known tracks today. You know, we were just trying to find, you know, the best music, period. You know, obviously not surprising. Most of it's going to be super, super killer, famous games. And this is this is one of those here, guys. We're going to move on to Fire Emblem. This was kind of a reboot, introduced the series to North America, composed by the wonderful Fire Emblem composer, Yuka Tsujioko. Absolute Nintendo veteran there. So many titles she did a great job on. This is a really impressive opening in this game. It is opening history unveiled from Fire Emblem. Let's take a listen, guys. very wow. end there guys you heard a little bit of that noise i was talking about but what an incredible implementation by the wonderful yuka tsujioko on opening history unveiled from fire emblem real was saying one of the most impressive vocal <laughs> samples he's ever heard it's hard to say i'd say the most it's the hard to most, say if this was opinion. just like all performed and it was just like a really long sample or how it was constructed, however I don't know if that would was. be possible. I think it would sound more compressed because mm-hmm. based on my knowledge of sort of how they input samples on chips like this, the longer the sample, the more compressed it is. So they try to go for mm-hmm. as short a sample as possible, which is one of the reasons like on the Super Nintendo, uh, Dave Wise's stuff for the Donkey Kong Country game sounded ah. so good because he used as short samples right. as possible. So it maintained a lot of the quality the of that timbre. So what I suspect is the vocal sample... It, I think it, it might be multiple samples for each voice or something, mm-hmm. which is also possible. But they start with these kind of slow fades. And underneath it, I think it's doubled with either not an 8-bit, but some other sample kind of pad that um, right. sort of represents the decay so when you go from one note to another you can sort of still hear that first note resonating that makes sense and i think she might be doubling it with another instrument so you get that effect but i mean i i've never heard anything sound that convincing and also musically this is a really pretty piece of music and you know i think um when we listened to that episode or when we're preparing that episode this was a standout one of her uh, i think one of her prettiest melodies and it's it's fitting that maybe she kind of really went above and beyond because she knew this music was going to reach more people well it's funny on this show we keep coming back to the idea of limitations and how that can ironically or sort of unintuitively uh inspire more creativity but it's something that i think is so apparent on this console and we have a multitude of examples where composers are pioneering but 
despite these limitations, I think another huge example for me would be something like Metroid Fusion, but we'll get to we'll that get later. We'll get to that. With, with a couple exceptions, what I love about GBA music is, yes, there's lots of different ways that they were uh, um, being innovative with how they're implementing the sounds here and using the sound chip, but... With only a few exceptions, the most success found on the GBA had to do with just killer melodies again. We're going back to that era of just incredible melodies. And if you look at this playlist, that's evident there. You know? I think that's an example of limitation leading you back to a sweet spot. It's great. So now we're going to play a Kirby track. This is from Kirby and the Amazing Mirror. And you know, guys, it's fitting. It's Nintendo Month. I just recently released uh, Another Day in Dreamland, my Kirby tribute album. So if anyone hasn't checked that out, shameless plug for that. It's fitting because we're playing a Kirby track here. It's weird. Now I feel this like extra affinity to the Kirby series anytime it's included on a uh, podcast episode. But this is a cool track. Um, we haven't played this before. We played a different one on our Kirby episode. Actually, the one we played on that has been in my head this week, but this is a cool one. This is Area 9 Candy Constellation, composed by Johnny Shikawa and Adiyoshi Asimura. Let's take a listen. Gosh, that is so awesome. You guys are listening to Area 9 Candy Constellation from Kirby and the Amazing Mirror, composed by Johnny Shikawa and Adiyoshi Asimura. Such phenomenal bass writing on the GBA. It's a really authentic and funky bass part that's, you know, kind of very sparsely underscoring really pretty chord changes in a very pretty and simple melody. Um, not necessarily the most Kirby thing I've ever heard. Very different from most Kirby music. That's one of the reasons I chose this track, because I thought it kind of, you know, showed a little bit of different side of these composers. But I think this is a really cool track. What do you think, Will? Yeah, I think it's great, especially this B section. I feel oh, so gorgeous. classic Kirby, especially the... Dun, 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 dun. The B section feels more classic Kirby than the A does to me. But yeah, no, I, I think obviously, you know, Johnny Shikawa is, is at home on the GBA, you know. I don't think it was that kind of out of the box for him to, oh, I have to do music like this. Yeah. Well, I think it works for Kirby music. It totally works. The one I had in my head, do you remember it, Will? The track we played on our Kirby episode, it's, um, I don't know if you remember that, but it's just, it's a little bit uh, snarly, but it's been in my head all week. I kind of want to play it right now, but I won't. I'll resist the urge. We're now going to move on to Super Robot Tyson, uh, Original Generation. This was composed by Neofumi Tsuruyama, Takuya Hanoaka, Wataru Yamura, and Kayako Matsushima. We're going to play a track called Time to Come from Super Robot Tyson. Here we go. 
That is a very solid piece of music. You guys are listening to Time to Come from Super Robot Tyson OG, composed by a lot of good composers. Now, this, uh, I believe in English, the translation would be Super Robot Wars. This is a pretty popular series, at least for the music. I know a lot of people are really into this series. Um, I believe I've heard some rumblings on Twitter from various fans of our show um, about Super Robot Tyson, but really liked what I what I listened to. You know, there's a couple games for the GBA. This was the one I chose to, to check out, and a lot of cool tracks. I was I was impressed. What do you think about this, Will? I think it's great. I think it's uh, <laughs> it's a pretty busy kind of orchestral piece, especially for <laughs> the Game Boy Advance. Um, but it's interesting because the Game Boy Advance is sort of positioned in an interesting place as far as its limitations being a unique advantage in the fact that since it has those 8-bit PSG channels, what's great about it is it can almost use them and give the effect of almost like having a synthesizer. Right. So instead of just having to rely on samples, sometimes in specific games use it on purpose where they'll use the PSGs to sound digital for a melody and then they'll use the samples to sound more kind of natural and organic. And that is an advantage that the SNES did not have. So yeah, really cool discovery there. Really had fun discovering some new music uh, this week as well as playing some classics. So this is a classic of the podcast one of the most classic tracks uh, when i think about the super marcotta brothers video game music podcast this was such a fun discovery way back on our bonus episode this is bonus stage from dk king of swing composed by takashi koga such a fun happy timeless piece of music let's take a listen guys puts a smile on my face and keeps it there that is bonus stage from dk king of swing composed by the wonderful takashi koga it's nostalgic for me even though i've never played this game it's nostalgic because it reminds me of the early days of the podcast uh this was such a standout track on that bonus stage episode and it holds up it feels like a classic track as much classic as almost anything i grew up with well and it sounds so much like sonic or mario or donkey Kong. it's just it really is a phenomenal melody and it it's really nostalgic and powerful the way that uh an end credits theme would be in a game and i think it's 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 interesting that this is a a bonus stage theme I know. because I do think it has underlying emotional implications and I think that's why every single time we've played it on the podcast it sort of devolves into this deep philosophical <laughs> discussion because it's just it's it so heightens uh, the emotions in the room whenever I whenever it comes on it's I think it's one of the best sort of discoveries that we made in the show and it's one of my 
one of my favorites. And I'm, I'm proud of that discovery because it's a, it's a very rare track. I, most people don't know about it, so happy to, to share that with the world. Now we're going to play a track from Golden Sun. You know, guys, we recently had a spotlight on this composer. This is Matoy Sakuraba. Um, the side that most people know from this soundtrack is this soft and beautiful side, uh, that forest track that we played, that Requiem, really, really good pan flute samples, really brilliant stuff. We're going to show a little bit of a different side though, because it is a, a quite large and diverse soundtrack. This is slightly more rousing, but equally as beautiful. Let's take, uh, let's take a listen to a track called Tolby Bound Ship from Golden Sun, composed by Matoy Sakuraba. So impressive for the GBA. You guys are listening to Tolby Bound Ship from Golden Sun, composed by Matoy Sakuraba. Man, it's really not easy to do orchestral music on the GBA. It's incredibly rare. You hear it more in the RPG genre, um, but I feel like Matoy Sakuraba is nailing it, really doing one of the best jobs with orchestral on GBA. There's really a lot of clarity to those samples, which, I mean, obviously I'm not familiar enough to know how that was really achieved, but I do suspect um, probably sort of a purity in the sample. There were probably more general MIDI instruments, nothing with reverb or room sound. And even if we don't know specifically how it was achieved, we do know that it comes down to how it was mixed in the software, how Matoy and the designers and the, en- the sound engineers chose to kind of mix it using the CPU of the GBA. Whoever was in charge of that did a great job. And I think also the music, the composition itself was written in a way that's flattering to uh, the limitations of the hardware, which is you can never go wrong if you're doing that. If you're if you're designing something with the limitations in mind um, and that's heightening your creative abilities, I really think that's that's the best way to go. What do you think of that? Dun, 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 Isn't that a solid It's a melody? very distinctly uh, Japanese video game or Japanese film music melody. Just one of those really rich, indulgent melodies. I that love just, it. It's so emotional and romantic. It, and this came at the very end of the Golden Sun soundtrack, so I was almost going to play an earlier one. Then I got to this one. I was like, ooh, here we go. This is what I want to play. So glad I stuck with it. Now, guys, it's fun. We're going to play a track from Mother 3. This is cool because this was only released in Japan. Obviously, you know, you had Mother and then you had Earthbound. I think some people might call this Earthbound 2. But, what you know, in any case, Mother 3 is the name of the game. Composed by Shogo Sakai. Great composer. I think one of the reasons uh, Shogo Sakai was picked for this project project is apparently he had um, just like a love and a really high understanding of the previous games in the series. He just must have been 
a really big fan of it. So he kind of knew what, what went into, you know, trying to follow in the footsteps after someone like Hirokazu Hiptanaga. So we're going to play a track called Monkey's Delivery Service from Mother 3. classic timeless melody there there's a lot of melodies in this game that feel like they've existed for years and years this is monkey's delivery service from mother three composed by the wonderful shogo sakai such a talented composer um did a great job with mother three if anyone hasn't listened to this whole soundtrack i really recommend it you know it's kind of obscure at least if you live in north america i think it's better than earthbound i I agree uh i think earthbound is um there's a lot of lore behind it because it's a very expensive game and difficult to get mm-hmm. nowadays. Um, but I think as far as the music, I mean, I love Hirokazu Tanaka. And it's not really anything critical of it, but I think um, the game sort of warranted uh, less purity as far as the music is concerned. It does mm-hmm. feel a little bit more kind of obscure and... Um, abstract and i think the game is abstract and goofy so it is clearly an intentional choice but oh, yeah. i do like mother 3 because i feel like it is able to sort of capture the best of both worlds and retain some musical purity where you know it's just it's good music to listen to on its own absolutely which... and there's a lot of reverence uh to the older games that shogo sakai uh is using in this you know previous themes that he's remixing kind of harkening back in fun creative ways right. you guys remember that theme of love that we played from like the i think it was the brawl they actually featured some of this music in the smash brothers game which i thought was was kind of cool so now guys we're going to move on to my favorite new discovery of this week i love this soundtrack so much that i needed will's help to whittle it down to decide what track do we play today because we probably only had room for one this is kuru kuru kuruin composed by atsuhiro motoyama and the track that Will chose was Cake Land. So let's take a listen to this really bouncy and happy track for the GBA. Here we go. Thank you. 
Man, that puts a smile on my face again, as much of the music today does. That is so fun. You guys are listening to Cake Land from Kuru Kuru Kuruin. It's a puzzle game series. I know nothing else about it. This composer um, is one of my new favorites, though. This is Atsuhiro Moriyama. Last night I went on his Wikipedia and I started to kind of dive into his previous work. He is incredibly talented. It reminds me of a little bit of Kirby. Um, it just sounds like Nintendo. I don't know what exactly it reminds me of, but it makes me reminds happy. Me, it reminds me of Animal Crossing, actually. Ah, interesting. I hear that. Yeah, Will, what did you think? You know, I think I gave you like five choices um, the other day of what to play. What did you think of all those as well as this one? I think they were all really fun and a lot of uh, good music, but I thought this one had the best melody and it was the most kind of interesting and engaging on all fronts. Um, To me, it was sort of the clear choice. I really love it. I think the chords are great. I agree. Well, speaking of clear choices, uh, we're now going to move on to this week's track of the week. This is from uh, my most coveted game when I got my GBA. I wanted Mario Kart Super Circuit. I remember seeing the ads on TV. I was so obsessed with getting this game. Didn't get it, though, for Christmas. I think I got, like, three games. None of them were Mario Kart Super Circuit. Eventually, I had to buy it myself. This is Cheap Cheap Island, composed, uh, this soundtrack composed by Kenichi Nishimaki, Masabaro Matsunaga, and Monaco Hamano. Let's take a listen to Cheap Cheap Island. Here we go. That is really one of the best GBA tracks um, ever. This is Cheap Cheap Island from Mario Kart Super Circuit. I think both Will and myself, uh, our favorite GBA soundtrack, composed by a lot of talented composers, including Monaco Hamano, which we're gonna we're gonna get to later. A very different side of Monaco Hamano, but oh my gosh, this really feels like it could have fit at home in Super Mario Kart. Yeah, um, it's just one of the best melodies of this system. It's kind of that great elevator jazz. Before that was kind of uh, a staple in video games. You know, you had it a couple times, but now I feel like it's you hear it all the time and it's always fun. But something about hearing it in 2001 mm-hmm. on my handheld was so impressive because I understood exactly what they were going for, even though some of it was chip sounds and it compressed samples. Like, I totally understood kind of what they were winking to, and it's just really melodic, fun music that... I want to listen to over and over again. I want to keep playing mainly because of the music. The game is good, but this music is just phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, I think this is the best soundtrack on the Game Boy Advance uh, by far. I, I think it's, to me, the most nostalgic. 
and I think it has the best melodies. I mean, it's one of the best Mario Kart soundtracks. It's it's just a phenomenal yep. um, piece of Nintendo music. I, I love it from start to finish, and the game is fantastic, too. And also it holds uh, the place as being maybe my favorite title screen ever. That's just like, oh my gosh, it's a classic title screen theme. Now it's time, guys, to move on to um, one of my favorite picks for the GBA. This is Summon Knight Swordcraft Story 2, composed by mainly Monaco Adachi, with some help from Kohei Matsuaka and Kahiro Sada. We're going to play a track called Mono Shift, which we've never played on the podcast, but this is a track that uh, earlier this year I did remix. I was kind of in the idea of remixing some of these tracks, uh, and this was one of them that I did. But yeah, Mono Shift from Summon Night Swordcraft Story 2. Oh, I love it so much. Let's take a listen. <laughs> killer it's absolutely killer that is mono shift from summon knight swordcraft story 2 composed uh i believe this one was by monaco adachi one of my favorite composers such a active piece of music for the gba just the way the heavy use this is what i was talking about the heavy use of those legacy channels right. you have it for the bass and you have it for the really crucial harmonized arpeggios throughout the entire track oh my gosh this rocks harder than any gba track i've ever heard I just, I'm in love well, with this Well, there's some pretty good stuff in uh, F-Zero Maximum Velocity that, that I think would stand alongside this as far as rocking. Yeah, no, that, that soundtrack definitely rocks as well. But I don't know, this just seems so unique as far as like the really kind of intricate part writing and how the sections keep going and take you on longer than expected journey. Like especially that last section that do we do 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 it's just like it gets really kind of scary and before it loops back, but it's also kind of empowering. I don't know. There's just something about this track that I think is amazing. Now, guys, it's time to move on to Wario Land 4. <laughs> I talked about, you know, the Christmas morning when I got my GBA. This was one of the games I did get. I didn't ask for it, so I wasn't incredibly excited to get it. But once I started playing it, I had such a great time. And I think now this has turned into one of my favorite games, uh, most nostalgic games for the GBA. This was composed by the kind of weird, <laughs> interesting composer, Ryoji Yashitomi, who also did the WarioWare series. This guy is, is kind of nuts, but he's also kind of brilliant. It's so great that he's working at Nintendo, though, right? I mean, yeah. for someone so unabashedly creative, there could be a better house for And also, if him. anyone uh, doesn't know, this is actually the guy who did Metroid 2 for the GB. So he's been... 
doing a lot of work for a long time. This is Palm Tree Paradise, which features a really funny and cute uh, Japanese female vocalist sampled on the GBA. Let's take a listen to Palm Tree Paradise. simple pretty piece of music and guys if you're not familiar with the soundtrack this is not the norm this is very contrasting to a lot of the music um it was very effective though kind of a nice sense of humor in this track but it's it's pretty i enjoy listening to it you know as this track um kind of mutates later on you go into the you'll hear this later on you go into a cave and then it changes but you know as that's happening let's just take this opportunity to catch up a little bit because as you guys know we're not in the same room anymore you know as we're doing this podcast will is in duluth at umd and i'm still in st paul so will uh what's been going on this week with you I've, uh, I've kept very busy this week. I've been doing a lot of things uh, with music. I recently had a piece performed by a touring dual violin group, and I had awesome. uh, them read and record it, and that went really well. And uh, just been doing a lot of things. Uh, I've been keeping busy. I have a, um, a couple concerts coming up soon. But, yeah, I'm having a great time learning a lot and writing a lot of music. What about you, man? Same. Yeah, just kind of getting a lot of... Um love for the Kirby and just really enjoying a lot of the positive feedback I'm hearing, um, you know, trying to keep up to date with the forums, trying to, you know, communicate with people, uh, do that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, just, just nice to have that finish. I have a couple other things, non-video game I'm working on gearing up, uh, for that, you know, debut record for my funk group. So I'm kind of really getting ready for that kind of been immersed in a lot of funk music. Uh, yeah. So Mm -hmm. I've been, I've been busy as well. It's, it's been good. So, well, maybe this would be a good time for us to plug, uh, gamers Rhapsody. It's a convention that's going to be coming up in the twin cities in November. Uh, we, you guys definitely need to come see it because, uh, we're going to be in a panel. Carl, Marty, and myself are going to be in a panel with Tim Turry from Game Informer and Emily Reese from Top the Score. Fantastic Podcast Top Score. And yeah, we'll be talking be about the influence together. of classical music on game music. So that's going to be really cool. And some really awesome performers that they got for Games Rhapsody. Jake Kaufman's coming. Disaster Piece is coming. A lot of really cool things. So yeah. Yeah, so if you guys do end up coming, um, stop by, say hi to us. We'd love to We'd love to chat. Video <laughs> I love games. now, Will, hearing the Japanese Japanese ladies, she's back. Did you notice that? <laughs> we were I in the did. cave for a while as we were catching up, but she is back. All right, guys, we have a few more, a couple more to, to talk about today. Now we're going to move one on. This is one of my favorites. Will's excited for this. This is Metroid Fusion. This is composed by Monaco Hamano and Akira Fujiwara. And we're the reason play... I picked the tracks that I did 
is um, we've played, I mean, at some point, I think we need to sort of almost have a spotlight for the soundtrack because I think it's really phenomenal. And there's so much great diverse music in here, yeah, but, but I think this is one of the best two, Metroid soundtracks. This is two short pieces that uh, you're putting together, right. right, Will? Yeah, and what it is is I wanted to capture what makes Metroid Fusion so unique, which is that I think it's some of the most effective and scary video game music that I've ever heard. I mean, even comparing going up against film music, it there's a lot of dissonance and tension, but it's done in a very clever way that is just phenomenally captivating. And you were saying arguably the most clever in the whole Metroid series. Yeah, and to cool. think about that this came out for a handheld it blows console, my mind. and it yeah. can it can really just, if you listen to this stuff late at night, it'll give you uh, nightmares. Phenomenal game, phenomenal soundtrack. Let's take a listen to Environmental Tension and Restricted Lab Break-In. Here we go. surprised me i'm obviously familiar with this soundtrack but that i just for some reason wasn't paying attention and it creeped the hell out of me this is yeah it's metroid so fusion good. uh that was environmental tension followed by restricted lab break-in composed by monaco homano and akira fujiwara and in the vein of shameless plugs when i was working on my metroid album child of the chosen child of the chosen available now no but when i was working on it uh the metroid fusion score was actually some of the music i was playing the most and even though um i i really didn't go for a lot of excessive dissonance on my album because i kind of wanted it to be capture some of the more catchy melodic points of the series yep. and capture sort of the ambient which is what people remember with rose colored glasses you know i feel like they they remember right. more of that stuff they kind of forget how dissonant but there's it can so be. many great uh short loops in this game uh, both of those themes were only like 15 second loops and they're so incredibly effective and so much of the music in this game just takes you on a wide variety of emotions as far as like a journey it's, it's really fantastic one of the themes that i really kind of played a lot it's another really short one it's called emergency in sector three that one's it's really intricate and so much of monaco homano's music is really like that when i even think of something like the ridley boss theme Dead, dead, mm -hmm. dead, 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 dead. capturing sort of an advanced level of dissonance and harmony but in a way that's still catchy and memorable which is something i was really inspired dun, by dun, 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 dun. great yeah so right. all right guys time to play the last track we're going to talk about this is sword of mana composed by kenji ito let's take a listen to endless battlefield
thanks guys so much for joining us as we took a look at pretty much a greatest hits of Game Boy Advance music. It was very nostalgic for me to play some of the classics, but it was really fun and exciting to discover some of these new soundtracks I wasn't familiar with. I never would have done that if it wasn't for this episode. In the context of hearing GBA, you know, after GBA, to really kind of get used to this sound and hear the very different and diverse ways that these composers right. utilize the sound chip. Yeah, it's very unique. We had a great time. Yeah, it, it's so fun. And what I'm really excited for is this is just the start of Nintendo Month. I mean, I, these are some of my favorite episodes. In some ways, to it's going to ramp up each week. This is a great uh, tradition for us because we both sort of grew up with Nintendo, much like much of the world grew up with Nintendo. Yeah, guys. As far as an introduction into video games and video game music. I got to say, stick with us. The next three weeks are, are going to be legendary episodes. Every single one of them is going to be They're super gonna Super, rock, super man. They're, They're gonna, gonna be rock. legendary. It's gonna be so legendary. All right, guys. You know, it's only fitting that we're gonna start off and close with a Yoko Shimomura track. We played in. We're gonna play out with a track from Kingdom Hearts: Chain of Memories by Yoko Shimomura. This is to our surprise. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Next week we have a surprise. We're not gonna say what it is. Second week in Nintendo Month. My name is Carl Brueggemann, and I'm his brother Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everyone. Peace out. Peace out.